I think we're going to find out that in, over the next particularly two to three years, that, that relationships are the most important currency that we have. I mean, who we trust, who you know, who has your back. You know, people always say it's, you know, oh, it's, it's about who you know. No, it's about who knows you, right? Like, it's, it's all about connection. And, and it's authentic connection. You know, we see it. You know, we've got primal instincts. When you walk up to somebody, you know, is this a safe interaction? And that's why, like, when I'm in the grocery store, I might be on a, an important phone call. And if I'm checking out, I'm putting that person on hold and I'm looking the cashier in their eyes and saying, thank you so much. You know, that little, little interaction means so much to myself. And it means hopefully something to that individual that we see them there as another human being. And so, you know, whether it be the president of my organization, the person that mentored me in my business, or just general interactions day in and day out, everything has to do with connections. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show, and thank you for remembering to tell all your buddies to subscribe. We got a great show for you today. We got Isaiah Henry, who is the CEO of Seabreeze Management with over 500 employees and over 100,000 homes in their management profile. He's going to talk today about what exactly is property management and what careers fit in that industry. He has an interesting path. He never went to college. He's going to talk about how he found his path without college. Excellence to him is providing impact in everything you do and being authentic while you do it. And he's got a system and path so you can see the options and create your own serendipity. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Isaiah Henry, you and I have had an interesting month together. You know that we've been to beaches together on three continents in the last month, you and I? I, I, I do. So I just thought of that because we had to add in North America, but Africa, Asia, North America, we've been to the beach together. We work within 10 miles of each other. We live within three miles of each other. We don't see each other enough. I appreciate you making time to come on the edge of excellence today. I appreciate being here. I love the energy. It's awesome. I'm always energetic. I'm going to start off the way I always start off. And I'm really, I can't wait for this episode. What is your definition of excellence? That's a great question and a hard one. I, I would say my definition of excellence is, is being impactful in everything that you do. So being authentically yourself in every room that you walk into and feeling confident in, in, in what you're delivering in that moment. I paused there because I started thinking about myself while you were saying that. And like, what is it? Why, why do people like me? Why do people like you? You know, you and I hang out with some crowds that are, you know, pretty heavy hitters and some serious players. You know, why are we hanging out with them? And you see them talking all the time and they're doing deals. And I was with this guy that played uh, pro basketball for 14 years and I don't know him very well. Who cares about me? I think what it is, 
is the authentic self in every room. And I think what it is, is trying to impact in everything you do. And as you're saying it, I started thinking, I know what you're talking about. And so we're just going to take a pause here and think about that for a second. How much different is your life if everything you do, you're trying to impact some, somebody? Everything you do, you're trying to impact. So you go to church, you're trying to impact your church. Or you live in a community, you're trying to impact your community. Your kids are in school, you're trying to impact the school. You're in a job, you're trying to impact the job, the business. If, you're def- if your focus on life is impacting everything, your path through your career is going to be easier. So if you're starting your career right now and you're listening to this, think about that. Everything you do, you're impactful. And then secondly, your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're a different person than me. We have authentic conversations. You know, I'm not a deal guy. They can have their conversations about their deals. Yeah, I'll have a conversation about corporate culture, um, societal impact about their kids. I always like to talk about the kids. And by the way, I heard about the recording you guys have in your forum circulating around about some some clips you took from this where I'm saying, I love kids. I love kids. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, that is in the, that is in the thing. That is important. Uh, I don't really like that you guys did that. Okay. So <laughs> thank you for sharing that definition of excellence. That's going to sit with me for a while. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on the show because you and I were talking while sitting at a table in Lebanon, having lunch a few weeks ago. And you told me this before, but I forgot you're the CEO uh, a big property management company. And I wanted to talk about property management as an industry and getting through there. But you reminded me that you didn't go to college. And we had a little discussion about, you know, is college important to everybody? Do you have to do it? Um, and then you and I talked before the recording started. About sometimes people think it's like their, their ticket, their passport, especially privileged people. They get that. And I've got a lot of them in my house. Uh, they get that passport from their college and they think it's done. No, it, it, it's not done. And you can do worse with a college degree than without a college degree. So we're going to get into your path, not going through college to becoming the CEO. Before I do, give me a, just a couple seconds on what is property management? What does a company like Seabreeze Management do? Um, how, uh, what type of jobs do you have at Seabreeze that different 20-year-olds might be interested in? Yeah, so uh, thanks for that. So Seabreeze is, I think there's a, when, when people hear property management, you know, whether you're in California or New York, you think of like managing specific homes or specific units. Um, really, we're in homeowners association management. It's common interest development management. So that's what we do. So we manage master plan communities, high rise buildings, condo communities, active adult communities uh, throughout California, Nevada, Arizona, Idaho. And and so we've got about 140,000 homes that we have under management, which represent about 550 homeowners associations and uh, homeowners associations and commercial owners associations that we serve. Um, As far as kind of what the business is, and, you know, it's, it's a people business. I mean, we're a service company. We don't have a tangible product. We're selling ourselves we're selling that we can outperform any of our competitors. And, you know, so for us, really, it's about attracting the best talent, but more importantly than just attracting people, it's retaining people. So creating a healthy environment where people feel seen, heard, valued, appreciated. Um, and that's what we do at Seabreeze day in and day out. We've been wildly successful. We don't have a huge business development arm. Uh, we've been extremely successful just because we take care of people. We do what we say we're going to do. 
Um, and we deliver that in the marketplace day in and day out. So, so we have a lot of fun. Uh, as far as like roles within the company, you know, we've got everything from, you know, we've got an uh, in-house customer care center, accounting departments, uh, all the way up to, to general managers of, of high-rise luxury buildings in downtown Los Angeles, San Diego, up in San Francisco, um, master plan general managers, and then everything in between. So first of all, you've got your corporate values. And just, I, I live in a, a community that you used to manage, no longer managed by you, which is a real bummer for me. You're helping the community streamline their processes, what they need to do, probably save money, get it done cheaper, better, faster. So you're in a consulting role. Um, you're helping them relate to their customers, so to speak. So I'm in a neighborhood association. I'm a customer of the board. They don't see me as that. So you're helping them communicate. So you're a consultant. You're leading by your corporate values. Do what you say, um, and kind of trying to help these boards and these in these associations maybe understand and live by their values. Uh, and the roles that you've got, you've got the obvious different types of project managers. So that's someone that's good at interacting with people, working with the boards, working with the consumers. That's someone that's got some savviness. Um, to how to get things done, how to get them done cheaper, faster, better, uh, some understanding of finance and accounting. So they're basically like a general business person working in customer-facing business. You also you don't have a very big department, but you have salespeople that go find the clients. And then you probably have finance people and accounting people in your business. You've got a lot of different roles, but most of them are going to be people that are good people people, good at communicating, and I think your special sauce is what I've experienced with Seabreeze. The special sauce is easier to do business with. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so simple. <laughs> and I, I think that's the value base, right? Yeah. Do what you say. Seems yeah. so simple. I'm in construction. And actually, the motto of one of our construction companies is easy to do business with. And I mean, that's all it is. We're going to show up on time. We're going to do it right. We're not going to lie to you. We're going to call you back. And that's the experience that you get from Seabreeze that maybe some other property managers don't get. Don't, don't get. All right. So I think that, so if you're out there and you're listening right now and you're kind of a people person and you, you kind of like business and you like helping a lot of people, you like solving problems and you like coming up with ideas all the time. Um, and, and, you know, there's projects like, you know, you got to rebuild part of the community. You like to see things getting done. Maybe property manage, management's ideal to you. But in addition to working in property management, you're an entrepreneur that bought the company. I think you bought it through uh, owner financing, right? Correct. Yep. So you bought a company that was owned by somebody else yep. and you didn't pay for it. You, you paid yeah, for, I it pay over for it. I didn't, I didn't come out of pocket. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You paid for it over time. So holy moly, how does that lady believe in you enough to do that? So you got to be really performing to get there. And now you're running it. You're, you're growing. So you got to be really performing to be running it and pay it off. And you did all of it with a different path than we normally go on. So let's go way back. You didn't go to college. I know you worked at Re uh, Realty Track. I know you worked at First Service. I know you worked at Associate before you got to Seabreeze. We're going to get into how the hell you even got into this industry. But you skipped college on the way. So let's go way back to high school. What was life like? What were you like? What was going on? Well, I mean, realistically, I would say that that I was on a, a kind of a trajectory where I was just a little numb in life. I had gone through some pain as a child. I spent three years in India in a boarding school. That was was extremely painful for me. And when I came out of that, I was I was young. I was eight, nine, ten. 
Um, and when I came out of that, I, I found myself just kind of moving through life. So whatever was thrown at me, I just was like, okay, I'm just going to take it as it applies itself to my life instead of me saying, hey, I want this or I don't want that in my life. So for me, high school was a very interesting time. The reason I was in India was my mother was a part of a religion called Sikhism. We did everything from I was wearing a full turban. I'm a six foot four black dude. I'm walking through Phoenix, Arizona in a, in a turban. Uh, I was uh, a vegetarian. And uh, so I just was living in this really, really weird space. And I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. And so high school for me was, you know, my mom got out of the religion. I was slowly getting out of the religion. I felt a little awkward. I didn't, wasn't comfortable in my, I had no style as far as clothing. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't hanging out with the jocks. I was starting to kind of, you know, find that music was a thing. Uh, and so, you know, I'm hanging out with choir people and band people. I'm just like, man, I'm just living my best life here. <laughs> Everyone walks up to me because I'm 6'4", and they're like, oh, you must be really, really good at basketball. I'm like, horrible, like the worst. So I'm just, I'm not fitting in any bucket. And so I think I realized, uh, let me just get through high school and get out into the world and try to identify where my trajectory is at that point. All right, yeah, so really realizing that that schooling wasn't something that I was passionate about. I just wanted to get out there and prove to myself that I was worth something. Prove to the world that that I was worth something. I needed to, to to complete a task. I needed to be about something that was my own. And so, so yeah, you know, that was high school. It was, I would say, really, it was a blur. I still have a couple of great friends, but I don't think it was a time in my life where I look back and say, "Hey, I, I was, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go." All right. So, if you're listening right now, it, you know, people experience pain nowadays, and I know a little bit about some of the pain you've experienced. And we're not going to compare who had it worse, um, but I know I didn't have it very bad. And I'm sensitive to people out there experiencing real pain. 30% of people, I think 18 to 24, thought about suicide in the last month, which just blows me away. I'm talking to my daughter about it. And I, I got to stop whenever I mention that. If you're thinking about suicide, um, please call 911. If you know someone that's thinking about suicide, you need to call 911 forum and you can call the suicide hotline. It is serious. Um, it is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And, you know, you're in this painful environment that a lot of people are in. And I, I like what you said. You're moving through life. And I, I put in there instead of a purpose driven life, because you're such a purpose driven person. Now, at the time, you find yourself kind of wandering and just getting through before high school with that numbness from India. Then you get into high school and talk about an identity crisis. Everybody has to have one. You're moving from Sikhism to not Sikhism. You haven't really heard music before or Western music before, I'm assuming. So you're in this mega identity crisis. Yeah. Still kind of not purpose driven, but you kind of catch on to this chip. And I, you know, I got a chip in high school as well. And somebody said, don't waste a, a good chip on your shoulder. So you need to prove that you're worth something. Yeah. And later on in life, you're going to let go of that ego driven disaster of proving that you're worth something. But for a moment there, you used it. You end up going to therapy with that. I had to do the same thing. You end up going to therapy when you need to prove to others that you're worth something. You end up going to therapy when you are, are making up for the bads of the past. And so you convert that need to be worth something to a purpose-driven life later. But at that moment of getting out of high school, you, know, you got out of high school, you decided you hated school. I got out of college, I decided I hated school. You decide I'm not going to go to college. What did you do instead? 
I was working odds and end jobs. I mean, I was, you know, I worked at Best Buy for some time. I showed up at, uh, I worked at different call centers and, and I found myself really, you know, once I joined a call center, I would I'd relate to people really well. I understood, I had a lot of empathy. I understood, I understood what they were going through. I had compassion for them. And so I find myself moving up in these roles in, in call centers, um, just customer service centers. You know, I'd, I'd roll in as a rep, I'd become a supervisor, I'd become a manager and and I'd oversee teams of, you know, 60 or 70 people in, in these centers. And, and I was young, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, started doing a little bit of college, realized this is not it for me at all. There's no passion here. I'm not feeling like anything that I'm reading in a textbook, I'm going to apply to any part of my life. But I think for me, I always had this drive to help people. And so I found that in service roles, whether it be standing at the cashier stand at Best Buy and selling people. Back in the day, they had these like little PSP plans, which were these warranty programs that you could sell people for their electronics. I would sell the heck out of those things. I would, I mean, the $12 telephone, I'd be selling a performance plan. I'm like, look, you can get a new one for free in three years. Um, so I just realized I love to relate to people in that aspect. And so that was my driving force, connection. And so I continued to do that literally all the way until I fell into property management. I mean, we can talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but it really was just odds and ends. Also, I was, you know, a vegetarian my entire life. And so I was extremely unhealthy. And so I took that time to take care of myself. I changed my diet. I started working out like mad and really started to kind of, I would say, reclaim parts of my life to say, you know what, I don't really see the full picture because of the trauma that I had experienced in India. I, I wasn't a guy that could say, hey, a year from now, I want to be here. But I was a guy that could say, you know what, I can take one step to move me closer to a direction that I think I'm going to enjoy more than I am right now. And so that was the gym. That was changing my diet. That was, you know, finding great jobs with people that cared about me and that were willing to pour into me. Um, so that's what that season looked like as I moved out of Phoenix and, and ended up here in Orange County. Okay, so uh, people talk about on this show all the time how they stumbled across their profession. And I'm trying to help people that are in the car right now listening at 1.5 speed purposely stumble, right? So what, what, I, what I hear you saying is serendipitously, you found out what was working, but really it's because you actively had your eyes open and you were paying attention to what was working. Compassion was working for you. Empathy was working for you. So you have this, you know, the guy that doesn't really need that plan because he's going to keep his phone for 10 years that you say, hey, you don't need this. And their eyes light up and you register. OK, integrity is working. Connection with people's working. Helping is working. And so you get a check in the wisdom bank. And if you're in the car right now, don't write it down. If you're sitting at home, maybe you spend some time thinking about what's working in your work environment, what's working in your daily interactions, and you start looking for positions that have that. And so you're starting to look for positions where you're able to be compassionate, show empathy, work well with the team, help other people connect. At the same time, because life's about becoming wise, you realize somehow you realize you have this pain from the past. Some people don't realize that for a long time. Yeah. You realize that. And I know you spent a bunch of time with someone that helped you out a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you're doing this soul searching internally while you're searching for an environment externally to help you. And one day at a time, you start chipping away at the problems and start identifying opportunities. I, I just don't know how you explain that to someone listening in the car right now that's 
22 years old. Maybe they had a, a past that was debilitating. And how do they see that there, there was something in the past that's affecting them and start chipping away? Maybe they're in a job that they don't really like. like. My daughter doesn't, I think, love working her job at my office, but there's little elements that she really does like. And how do you figure out how those elements fit into a future job? How do you do that? Yeah, I think for me, it was, you know, I wish that when I was in my 20s, I said, hey, I know that this is a, I'm, I'm making a conscious decision that I'm really good at this and I love this and therefore I'm going to continue to do more of it. It was just really trusting my gut. I was just like, wow, this didn't feel bad. This wasn't a numbing experience. I didn't just show up at work and feel like, you know, I, I just wasted a day to get a paycheck, right? And I feel like there's a lot of roles that we do. I mean, I'm not saying that even, you know, as a CEO of Seabreeze, I love this organization. I love the people that I get to work with day in and day out. But there are things in my job that I just can't stand. And so we're going to have that, right? But once you hit, you know, if you do nine things in a day that just really bugged you and they were a drain on your, your energy level and everything, then you do that one thing and you interact with one person and it changes all of those nine things, that those little moments. And I just had moment and moment and moment like that. And it wasn't a conscious thought. It wasn't like I was sitting here being like, oh, yeah. That was a moment and that brought me hope for the day. It was just like, wow, that was a, an experience that I was good at, that I enjoyed. And so I'm just going to go and find more of those. And I wish it was conscious. Now that I'm here, I, I wish I could look back and be like, bro, you were right on the path. Because, you know, obviously there's mistakes that are made. So, yeah, I think it's really just trusting your gut. Everything that I do from the people that I connect with, my friends, uh, the people that we hire, it's all about ensuring that I, I check in with myself. The red flags are there. If you're going down a wrong, wrong path, you know it internally. You can feel it. We're all built with that. And, and you know, it's inside our bodies. But you, you got a couple of things there. So first of all, it's trusting your gut. And it's always talking to you, right? It's telling you, telling you, telling you. So stop and pay attention to it and listen to it. Second thing, you didn't really say it, but it's really long term. I hate looking at this spreadsheet right now. Oh, I hate my job. I'm quitting. Yeah. No. Long term. Do I like most of the things I do? And can I get through the things I hate? And I really like the, the third thing you mentioned. Everybody's going to dislike things about their family. They're going to dislike things about their parents, their siblings, their kids, their job. But the things it's easy to think about when you think about your family, that one thing that erases, like my wife is so sloppy, drives me crazy, but I don't care because she's such a wonderful human being, right? Um, that one thing that erases everything, that's the thing to register and pay attention to. So your one things were, oh, my God, this compassion thing's working for me. I need to keep looking for that. Oh, my God, I like helping. I need to keep looking. And there's lots of industries that are helping people. You don't have to just go into property management. You could have gone into a bunch of different things, but you somehow stumbled into property management. So how did you go from, and I love the call center. Call center is like one of the toughest jobs ever, but you're the guy that's doing the best in the call center because you're the one listening. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, this empathy, listening, connecting thing works in a call center. How do you jump from Best Buy in the call center into property management? Yeah, so uh, there was a first service actually was looking for somebody to build them a customer care center uh, from the ground up. 
And uh, I, I, at the time I was working at Realty Track, you know, we, we were tracking foreclosures across the nation. And it was 20, 2006, 2007, where foreclosures were everywhere. They're next door, they're across the street. So it wasn't a buzzword anymore. So people didn't want to spend $39.95 a month to get access to a secret list. And so um, I saw that downsizing. And, and my supervisor at the time, who was a fantastic mentor, one of those guys that, that everyone needs to have a, a guy like Kayvon Adiri uh, in their lives, uh, he basically said, hey, you know, there's this company here, Source Service, that's looking for someone to uh, start a customer care center for them. I live in one of their communities. You should go apply for the job. And I was like, okay, great. You know, looking out for me. And I went and applied for the job. After three interviews, landed the job, and, and I was on into the property management space. And an ironic thing about, about that story is uh, the woman who interviewed me, uh, her name was Karen. And uh, that was in, gosh, 2007. And now she is actually the president of Seabreeze Management Company. So, so she's our president now. And, and she walked me into that space. Uh, and I didn't even know really what an HOA was at the time. So it's, it's kind of cool how this all come full circle. So you did well. You're obviously doing well in the call center. You're trusting your gut. You're identifying what you like and what you're great at. You're keeping your mind open. And a new opportunity comes in a different world, but you knew it aligned with what you like doing. Your gut's telling you yes. Um, you know it aligns with your helping people and your customer service. The other thing you're mentioning is you got two different sides of the relationship there. You got the person who is your mentor that you developed and maintained a relationship with. You're calling them randomly on the phone. You're sending a Christmas card. You're checking in. I know Isaiah pretty well. He never asked for anything, right? You're you're offering, offering, you're making deposits and they're just reminded, oh, Isaiah is so good at this. Here's an opportunity. Same thing with Karen. You're keeping in contact. All of a sudden she's looking for a position and wait a second, I got a position for you. And it's, it's a selflessness, right? It's, I mean, deep down inside your values of, of back to this strange list of things you find out in Best Buy call center, compassion, empathy, working well with others, connection, you said a couple of times. You're, you're aware of your values and utilizing it in your relationships. And so all these different doors are opening for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Karen is still the president. She's still the president. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, these relationships, you know, that's what our foundation, people are the wealth. Uh, I think we're going to find out that, that in, over the next particularly two to three years, that, that relationships are the most important currency that we have. I mean, who we trust, who you know, who has your back. You know, people always say it's, you know, oh, it's, it's about who you know. No, it's about who knows you, right? Like, it's, it's all about connection. And, and it's authentic connection. You know, we see it. It, it. It's not about, oh, yeah, let's just say the right things. I mean, you know, we've got primal instincts. When you walk up to somebody, you know, is this a safe interaction? Does this person genuinely care? And that's why, like, when I'm in the grocery store, I might be on a, an important phone call. And if I'm checking out, I'm putting that person on hold and I'm looking the cashier in their eyes and saying, thank you so much. You know, that little, little interaction means so much to myself. And it means hopefully something to that individual that we see them there as another human being. And so, you know, whether it be the president of my organization, the person that mentioned me in my business, or just general interactions day in and day out, everything has to do with connections. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. 
In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. I just, I'm getting stuck on the, here's what keeps happening to me in this episode. And I, we know so many people that kind of have a similar path. It's, it's, you keep stumbling across something that changes your life forever. You keep stumbling across a person that changes your life forever. Then you mentioned this primal instinct. You and I can get on a bus with 40 people. We know which two people we're not going to talk to. You and I belong to this weird uh, business cult. You don't get in unless you share the values. Like That's the number one thing. You know, you can go to anybody in there. I looked around the room one time and I thought, who have I not done a favor for in this group? And I scanned the room and there were two people. And I thought, who hasn't done one for me? How weird is that? It was strange that there was two out of 40 people, this primal instinct. And I, I, I mean, you and I got lucky, but I think that there's this awareness of just kind of maybe it's an instantaneous alignment of what do I stand for? What do they stand for? I, I think it has to start with what you stand for. And how did you figure out, and maybe it's through, you know, working on your past. But how did you figure out what you stood for so, so your gut was conscious of what you stood for so you had that primal instinct when you interact with people and you knew who to invest in as far as relationships go? Yeah, I would say from my time working for the first property management company, I found myself, and this is before therapy, and you know, I was on this trajectory where I wasn't angry anymore. I, I felt like I had reconciled internally with the pain that I had experienced as a child. Um, and now I just wanted to do good. I just wanted to do good by everyone. And I wanted everyone to love me. And I think the problem that I realized quickly, you know, I mean, my first goal was who's the CEO of this company? Who are the, who are the mover and shakers? Who are the people that I need to ensure that I walk by, have conversations with, have relationships with, and, and have genuine connections with? And I realized quickly that is as strategic as it would be to have connections with every single one of those individuals, because obviously they were in positions of power, positions that, you know, they needed to, I needed to have visibility of them and they needed to have visibility of me when they're sitting in a, a boardroom making a decision about who to move to the next role. Um, but I realized quickly that it was impossible for me to have connections with all of them because I just didn't gel with all of them. And so I had to really be okay with letting some of those individuals go and that relationships go because it wasn't an authentic connection for me. And it was really hard. I'd be sitting in someone's office thinking, what do I say next? And it wasn't this natural flow. And so then I realized, let's just focus on the things that I do well and where I have these natural connections with. And it's funny, those individuals are the people that we kept in contact with. It's not work, right? It's it's not me looking at them and saying, hey, you're the CEO of this role and of this organization and I'm connecting with you because of your title. It's like, no, I genuinely care about you. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you have to offer me. I appreciate what you do for this organization and I want to spend more time with you. And so I found myself hovering around, you know, uh, kind of all over the place, but I'll give you a quick example. So after I spent two years uh, in Orange County in that call center, 
they had a failing division up in, in Northern California. So I was in downtown uh, San Francisco and there was a high rise that, that everyone wanted to get. It was kind of this pinnacle. It was rumored that it was going out to bid and it finally went out to bid. And I remember thinking, okay, this is my shot. So I went and connected with the developer at the time and the guy was just not the nicest guy in the world. And I was like, oh man, this is it. We have waited. And it was like two years, about a year into being up there. And we'd waited for this property and it's finally here. And it's one of those buildings where it's, you know, it's pinnacle. And I'm spending time with this developer and I'm like, I, I can't do this. I cannot sell this product to this individual because I don't like the lunches. I don't want to do the dinners. I don't want to do the happy hours because I'm just not genuinely connecting with this dude. And so we still provided our proposal. We still did the bid. I did the minimum that I could do to ensure that I wasn't completely blowing the guy off. And ultimately, we didn't get the business because I wasn't the one that had the strongest connection. But I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that today. And I was okay with that at that point because it was like, you know what? There's always more business to come. If you're true to yourself and you're true to the people that you interact with, the rest really will, will really, I feel like it's attracted to you. Yeah. So you had an evolution because I, I know you as don't care if everyone loves me. Yeah. I, I know you and me both as don't care, impact in everything you do and be authentic. Yeah. I, I have to pause you though, because I feel like as much as I want to be confident and run around and say, I don't care. Deep down, I think we all have this yeah, genuine. Yeah. We all thing. have an ego. Yeah. And we all want to be liked. We all want to be accepted. Right. You know, my friend Christian talks about, you know, and he got it from somewhere. You talk about true poverty really is not about not having stuff. It's about being alone. It's about being isolated. And and so, you know, if you think about, you know, back in the day, the worst thing they could do to you would, would be exile. You get you out of the community. Right. It wasn't take all your stuff away. You can have all your stuff. We're just going to get you away from the village. We're going to get you away from people. So I think we all have this desire to be a part of connection. I think what I've reconciled with is I can't control if you like me or not. I can't control if you see value in what I'm saying or not, but I can control how I interact with you. I can control if I'm, I'm offering you everything that I have in that moment, which changes. And I will take your correction, I, but I think it was from, uh, and I, maybe I had it too at a young age for a different reason, a problematic want everyone to love me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. To, to a healthy, I do care what you think and I want to be uh, the best person I can be for you, but here's my authentic self. And if it doesn't align, it doesn't align. I'm here to impact in everything I do. And if we're not aligning, I'm not going to impact you. Still treat you with respect. Still be polite. Let's move on. And, and, and you're focusing on doing well, value alignment, um, connections. And if, and if you're listening right now, a lot of times people want a favor, like they're going to network to get something. We don't network to get something. We network to give something. And a lot of times people will be like searching for that big pinnacle client and they'll change to acquire the client. You can't stay that way forever. My friend Sergio said, if they don't like me now, they're never going to like me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's that short-term game, right? So short-term game. I'm going to get this opportunity, but then I'm going to have to move on to the next hustle, right? I'm going to have to turn my next trick. Or I can really have genuine, authentic relationships with people. And, you know, I look at Seabreeze right now and, you know, I've, I've been the CEO for, been with Seabreeze for going on nine years. I've owned the company for four, for, for a little over four. 
And I look at my leadership team. I look at so many people who work in the organization. And these are all connections that I had in all these different companies that have all come now to work and we get to work together. Right. And we get to do this together. And I always thought, man, one day I'm going to get all the cool people that I know. We're all going to work in the same place. And I get to experience that. I walk into the office and these are my best friends. It's because we had interactions in other places and we just, we trust each other. You know, we, we looked out for each other. We had genuine love and connection with each other. Yeah. So you're in school and you hear people say, don't be fake. You know, all these interactions on the sports team in the high school, you know, the, the getting, uh, maybe not going too far, but your friends that like quit being a dipshit, whack you upside the head that prepares you for later. And so you, you had all this preparation to be authentic. People gravitate to authenticity, the right people, the ones that align with who you are. I'm not wearing a tie and polishing my shoes and speaking exact because I have to work so hard to put up that front and people that really find that important aren't going to gravitate to me. The cool people are. Uh, and, and so you're being your authentic self and you're impacting people in everything you do. So people want to join that team that also want to impact in everything you do, which I think this is great. If you're listening right now in the car, stop and check yourself because it's okay to sacrifice a few jobs, a few relationships, a few opportunities in exchange for authenticity because the right ones come. Stop and check yourself. Are your eyes open to what's going on around you? You can stop and write down what went well today. What were the nine things you didn't like? What was the one thing that erased it all? And maybe I like the idea of journaling and writing it down, but at least making a mental note so the path becomes clear. And when your buddy shows up and says, you should go look at this call center, you go, aha, that is the right thing for me to do. Um, I'm going to come back to getting through it because I think we'll do a little public service on getting through it. But I do want to I do want to say, how did you jump from working at to owning and the founder financing you buying her out? And she could have sold it to anybody. How does that go down? How does someone else duplicate that? Because a lot of people don't have a lot of money and they want to own a business. This is a creative way of getting a business. How'd that happen? Yeah. So um, uh, Lisa was the founder of Seabreeze, a fantastic woman, built an organization. Uh, She started her company in 1987. So well over 35 years in business. I think she saw at the time in the the homeowners association management space, the property management space, there was a lot of publicly traded companies or big conglomerates coming in and buying out these small mom and pops. And so she was worried about what does her longevity look like? And so she had conversations with both of these two organizations uh, the, the two large ones that were kind of consolidating around the United States. And she realized quickly that her culture, everything that she had built would be placed in somebody else's hands that, that not, they, she wouldn't necessarily have the trust that these individuals would care about the things that she cared about. And these people who had given their lives to this organization, I mean, this woman would do things like, you know, and, and I'm okay saying this now, but I mean, she was putting down payments on people's homes she was buying people horses. Um, I mean, these are people's dreams and she was fulfilling dreams. She was you know, living a little Oprah life and she couldn't hand that off to, to a, a publicly traded company that, that is not going to see the importance in that. So we met, we became really fun competitors. I mean, we'd sit, we'd meet at the bar and talk about the industry. If one of her employees was looking, I'd let her know and give her an opportunity to save. If one of her accounts was going out to bid, I'd do the same and so we just built this rapport. Well, 
Uh, about a year into that relationship, she looked at me over a couple of bottles of wine, more than more than we both needed. And she said that uh, I've been on a, a year long interview and that uh, and I looked at her because I was thinking that I was a hot shot and I was thinking I had all my stuff together. And I'm like, you couldn't afford me. You know, you got a smaller management company at the time. I was working for one of the big, big twos. And she's like, I'm going to offer you something that these guys won't offer you. I'm going to give you sweat equity. So basically, this is what I believe my company is worth. If you join me, we're going to draw a line in the sand. Anything that you grow, even if I help you grow it, is going to be on your side of the fence. Anything that I've had is going to be on my side of the fence. This is what I think it's valued at. And obviously, it was a premium at the time. She had gotten a couple of other offers, and she was able to name her price. And I believed in myself. And I'm like, well, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, and we scaled an organization. Uh, the goal was to double the company in five years. Uh, we doubled the company in three years. Uh, when I joined, we had 147 employees. We've now got 553 uh, people out there that are working. Um, and we're all serving clients. And we did that in just about five years. So uh, it's been a wild ride. I'm thankful to Lisa. Uh, you're right. She saw something in me that, that I don't even think in the moment that I saw in myself. And now I sit here and I'm just like, holy cow, you know, you can do this. Um, and so she, she, she financed it and, and, and the rest is history as a deal for both of us. Well, so it goes back. To, how did you get to? There's always that question. How come you got to? How did you get to blank? And you, you hear that a lot when you've got to do a bunch of cool things. Well, you lived your values. You were authentic. You worked consistently to impact in everything you do. And someone over time trusted you and believed in your impact. That's how it's done. If you want to take over a business for free, if you want to become a CEO, if you want to find your path, figure out what your values are, figure out what you stand for and work to impact in every single thing you do. I have a question for you. Usually I ask is my last question. You know, if you went back in time, what sacrifice did you make that you would make all over again? Yeah, I don't want to ask that question. Um, would you go back and do India all over again? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But for the listeners out there that are having a hard time getting through it, and my, my goddaughter's in that boat right now, you graduate from college, you got to figure out the rest of your life. You don't have to figure out your rest of your life, but you think you do. You got the, it's just like everything else. Instagram's telling you how much better everybody else is. You have an identity crisis. So my goddaughter's going through this right now. Other people listening right now, you've had some some shit go down. What advice do you have for the 20 something that is maybe going through this identity crisis besides everything you said to get through the emotional part, the depression part, the sadness part? And again, if you're experiencing depression, you need to get help. You need to call somebody. If you're thinking about suicide, you need to call 911. what, what advice do you have for people that aren't in the absolute extreme, like I just mentioned, to get through it? Yeah, it's, you know, and I, I do have to go back to, you know, the simple lesson that for me that was I just need to take one positive step. And that could be in this week, that could be in this day, that could be in this moment, right? If I just take one positive step. For me, at times, you know, you're staring at social media and it becomes this numbing fake reality that just doesn't exist. And it's like, gosh, if I were to just take seven minutes away from that little thing, that's automatically going to change my outlook. That's going to change what I, uh, what I, how I see the world. It's going to change how I see myself. It's going to change so much, right? So little things like that. Also, I think, 
I needed to be aware that, you know, everything that we've talked about over the last 45 minutes can be true. There's still going to be people out there that are going to try to tear you down, that are going to be focused on you, that are going to look at you trying to live your authentic self and are going to be threatened by that. And that's okay. Let them do them. Let them live in their space. But don't feel like you have to feed everybody's energy level, right? Like you can only do the most that you can do in that moment. And I I would say for me, I had to identify who in my life were people that genuinely cared. You know, when you sit down and have a conversation with someone and they ask you, how are you doing? How's your day? You'll know who genuinely cares about you or who is just in that situation to get something from you. And so I slowly started to separate myself from those individuals and they're still friends, but I just don't rely on them for that kind of emotional pillow that, that I'm there for them in that, that same regard. And so, you know, I ensured that I, I slowly created a, a core group of individuals. You know, I didn't need 50, 100 friends or even 15 close friends. I needed close two to three people, four people that genuinely knew me, that genuinely cared for me, that wanted to celebrate my wins and they wanted to mourn my losses. And so that for me was, was life-changing and, and I would recommend to find those individuals to take easy steps day in and day out, just take one step. If it's, hey, this week, I'm going to do this thing. You get to kind of recreate those neural pathways in your mind that, hey, I am, I can focus on something and I am successful at doing something that I put my mind to, um, which then creates new habits in the future. So in this one step at a time, you're kind of mentally tallying the wins, mentally tallying what's working, mentally recognizing what's not working. Then you have to act on it. So you have to chase the good one day at a time. And a guy told me uh, it's all practice. So, you know, you're not supposed to hang out with this person. They're dragging you down or do that thing. It's dragging you down and you have a bad day and you hang out with them and do that. Well, it's just you practice bad that day. Try it again the next day. So you're registering, you're you're letting it go and you're you're letting letting yourself off the hook. You, You mentioned the support team and maybe you have the wrong support team. You mentioned it takes time. And a lot of time, if you're in your 20s, you think you got to do it by tomorrow. It takes years to develop a great support team, but you can take one step at a time. And then we're back to letting it go again. I don't care what they think about me. Well, you really do a little bit, but there's this constant conflict. I care what John Baldwin thinks about me, but I got to let it go if John Baldwin doesn't love me and puts me on his list as number 10 best friend. Uh, And You know, I do respect the person. If I didn't respect them, I would care less. But there's this fine balance of basically, I think what it is, is finding the right people to care about what they think. Correct. Correct. Because there are people in my life that if they call me up and they said, hey, I got to talk to you about something. This is how I saw you in that moment, whether you intended to or not. I take that as gold because I know they care. Yes, yes. Yes, they find the right people that value you and are giving you feedback to help you versus ignoring the wrong people. And you said this, but I'm gonna say it again, ignoring the wrong people that are saying what they're saying to build themselves up. Correct. Correct. That's beautiful. So if you're having a hard time right now, you graduated from college, you can't figure out what to do. That's normal. It's tough. If you think you got to figure all your shit out, you don't. You've got time. Um, If you're having a struggle, you can start looking for the people that create uh, that have that support you. You can start going one day at a time. 
You can start registering the little wins and trying to let go of the bads. And definitely you can talk to a professional or call your family because you have stakeholders that care as you search for others. And Isaiah, um, you reminded me to be a better friend, by the way, during this whole thing. I'm doing this mental registry. It's like, shit, I got to check in with people more. I really appreciate you making time and, you know, giving your love to the world, sharing your insight. Really happy to have you on because your path isn't the same and you kicked everybody else's ass. So uh, if they're listening right now, they don't want to go to college. Here's a great example of not going to college. Thank you so much for joining us on the Edge of Excellence today. Thanks. Appreciate it, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.